Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. It's spooky season. All right, let's do it. And back cramps. Cramps. Back cramps. Oh, that's terrible. Peyton fished for the first time in her whole wide life today. And I didn't get any fish. No. Do you want to give a shout out to your friend that you went fishing with today? Uh, shout out to Tommy. Shout out to Tommy. Shout out to Tom Tom. If you're listening, okay. thanks for taking Peyton fishing. Cool. Okay. The cool part about living by the beach is we literally could just go to the beach and fish. We can go to the, which we've never done. But Kirsten does it. <laughs> Cousin Kirsten and Mila do it. And they go crabbing too. I know. I saw uh, two crabs. No way. And we, what else did we small. see in the water right when we were leaving? Oh, um, seal. A seal. He was so cute. He was like speckled too. He was like gray spotted. It was really cute. Okay. Ready? Chapter four of Coraline. Okay. Coraline locked the door of the drawing room with the cold black key. She went back into the kitchen and climbed into the chair. She tried to put a bunch of keys back on top of the doorframe again. She tried four or five times before she was forced to accept that she just wasn't big enough and she put them down on the counter next to the door. Her mother still hadn't returned from her shopping expedition. Coraline went to the freezer and took out a spare loaf of frozen bread in the bottom compartment. She made herself some toast with jam and peanut butter. She drank a glass of water. She waited for her parents to come back. When it began to get dark, Coraline microwaved herself a frozen pizza. Then Coraline watched television. She wondered why grown-ups gave themselves all the good programs with all the shouting and running around. Coraline woke up in the middle of the night and she went to her parents' bedroom. But the bed was made and empty. The glowing green numbers on the digital clock glowed 3.12 a.m. All alone in the middle of the night, Coraline began to cry. There was no other sound in the empty flat. She climbed into her parents' bed, and after a while, she went to sleep. Coraline was woken by cold paws pawing, batting at her face. She opened her eyes, and big green eyes stared back at her. It was the cat. Hello, said Coraline. How did you get in here? The cat didn't say anything. Coraline got out of bed, and she was wearing a long t-shirt and pajama bottoms. Have you come to tell me something? The cat yawned, which made its eyes flash green. Do you know where my my mommy and daddy are? The cat blinked at her slowly. Is that a yes? The cat blinked again. Coraline decided that that was indeed a yes. Will you take me to them? The cat stared at her. Then Then it walked into the hall, and she followed it. It walked the length of the corridor and stopped down the hall in the very end where the full-length mirror hung. The mirror had become a long time, had been, the mirror had been a long time before the inside of the wardrobe door. It had been hanging there on the wall when they moved in, and although Coraline's mother had spoken occasionally of replacing it with some newer, she had never, she never had. Coraline turned on the lights in the hall and the mirror showed the corridor behind her. That was the, that was only to be expected. But reflected in the mirror were her parents. They stood awkwardly in the reflection of the hall. They seemed sad and alone. As Coraline watched, 
They waved to her slowly with limp hands. Coraline's father had her arm, his arm around her mother. In the mirror, Coraline's mother and father stared at her. Her father opened his mouth and said something, but she couldn't hear anything at all. Her mother breathed on the inside of the mirror glass, and quickly, before the fog faded, she wrote, Help us, but backwards. With the tip of her finger, the fog on the inside of the mirror faded, and so did her parents, and now the mirror reflected the corridor, and Coraline and the cat "'Where are they?' Coraline asked the cat. The cat made no reply, but Coraline could see images, could imagine its voice, dry and dead as a fly on a windowsill in the winter, saying, "'Well, where do you think that they are?' "'They aren't going to come back, are they?' Coraline said, not under their own steam. The cat blinked at her. Coraline took it as a yes. "'Right,' said Coraline. "'Then I suppose there's only one thing left to do?' She walked into her father's study, and she sat down on his desk. She picked up the telephone and she opened the, fe- the phone book and telephoned the local police station. Police? A police, a gruff male said. Hello, she said. My name is Coraline Jones. You're up a bit late after your bedtime, aren't you, young lady? Said the policeman. Possibly, said Coraline, who was not going to, going to be diverted. But I'm ringing a report uh, to report a crime. And what kind of crime would that be? Kidnapping. Grown-up napping, really. My parents have been stolen away into a world on the other side of the mirror in our hall. And do you know who stole them? Asked the police officer. Coraline could hear the smile in her voice, in his voice, and she tried extra hard to sound like an adult, how an adult might sound, to make him take her seriously. I think that my other mother has taken them both into her clutches. She wants to keep me and sew eyes, keep them and sew their eyes with black buttons, or she may simply have them in in order to lure me back into into her reach of her fingers. I'm not sure. Ah, the nefarious clutches of the fiendish fingers, is it? He said. Hmm, you know what I suggest, Miss Jones? No, said Coraline. What? Ask your mother to make you a big old mug of hot chocolate and then give you a a great big hug. There's nothing like hot chocolate and a hug for making nightmares go away. And if she starts to tell you off for waking up in the middle of the night... Why? You tell her that, that po- that's what the policeman said. He had a deep, reassuring voice. Coraline was not reassured. When I see her, Coraline said, I shall tell her that. And she put the phone down. The black cat who, was on, who sat on the floor, grooming his fur through his entire conversation, now stood up and led the she way to the hall. Said her, she doesn't know where her parents are. I know, scared. I know. Coraline went back to her room and put on her blue blue dressing gown and her slippers. She looked under the under the sink and found one of not and found one but the batteries had since run run down that it barely glowed with the faintest straw colored light she put it down again in a box of in case of an emergency white wax candles and thrust the candle into the candlestick she put an apple into each pocket that she picked and she picked the ring of keys that took and took the old black key off the ring. She walked to the drawing room and looked at the door. She had a feeling that the door was looking at her, which she knew was silly and knew on a deeper level that it was somehow true. When she went back to her bedroom and rummaged in the pockets of her jeans, she found the stone with the hole in it and put it in, and put it into her dressing gown pocket. She lit the candle, candle wick with the match and watched it sputter in light. Then she picked up the black key. It was cold in her hand. She put the key into the hold, into the door. Wait, could, she put it into the keyhole in the door and did not turn the key. When I was a little girl, said Coraline to the cat, 
We lived in our old house long, long time ago, and my dad took me for a walk in, to the wasteland between our house and the shops. It wasn't the best place to go for a, rock, a walk, really. There were lots of things that people had thrown away back there. Old cookers, broken dishes, and dolls with no arms and legs, and empty cans and broken bottles. Mom and Dad made me a promise not to go back, back exploring there because there were too many sharp things and tetanus and such. But I kept telling them I want to explore it. So my dad put his big brown boots on and his gloves and my boots and my jeans and my sweater and we went for a walk. We must have walked for about 20 minutes. We went down this hill to the bottom of the gully where there was a stream and where my dad suddenly said to me, Coraline, run away, up the hill now, he said as he grabbed a tight sort of way. Urgently, so I did. I ran up the hill. Something hurt me on the way back down of the back of my arm as I ran, but I kept running. As I got to the top of the hill, I heard somebody thundering up the hill behind me. It was my dad, charging up like a rhino. When he reached me, he picked me up in his arms and swept me over the hill. And then we stopped and puffed as we passed the gully and we looked back down. The air was alive with yellow wasps. We must have stepped on a wasp nest in, the, in a rotten branch as we walked. And when I was running up the hill, my dad stayed and got stung to give me time to run away. His glasses had fallen off when he ran. Only... I only had one sting on the back of my arm, and he had nine, 39 stings all over him. We counted later in his bath. The black cat began to wash his face and his whiskers in the manner that indicated increasing impatience. Coraline reached back down to stroke the back of its head and the neck, and the cat stood up, walked several paces until it was out of her reach, and then sat back down and looked at her again. So, said Coraline, later that afternoon, my dad went back to the wasteland again to get his glasses back, and he said that he left it another day so he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to remember where they'd fallen. As soon as he'd gotten home, wearing his glasses, he said that he wasn't scared when he was standing there, and the wasps were stinging him and hurting him, and he was watching me run away because he knew that he had to give me enough time to run, or the wasps would come after us both. Coraline turned the key in the door, and... It turned with a clunk. The door swung open. There was no brick wall on the other side of the door, only darkness. A cold wind blew through the passageway. Coraline made no move to walk through the door. And he said that that wasn't brave of him, doing that, just standing there and being stung, said Coraline to the cat. It wasn't brave because he wasn't scared, and the only thing it was the only thing he could do. But going back again to get his glasses when he knew that the wasp was there, when he was really scared, that was brave. When she took her her first step into the dark corridor, she could smell the dust and the damp and the mustiness. The cat padded alongside her. And why is that? asked the cat. Although it sounded, he was barely interested. Because, he said, when you're scared, but you're still doing it anyways, that's brave. The candlestick hung, strange flickering shadows along the wall. She heard something move in the darkness beside her, or to one side of her, she couldn't tell. It seemed as if it was keeping pace with her, whatever it was. And that's why you're not going back, and that's why you're going back to her world then, said the cat, because your father once saved you from the wasps. Don't be silly, said Coraline. I'm going back for them because they are my parents. And they noticed that if I, and if they noticed I was gone, I'm sure they would do the same for me. You know what you're talking, you, you know you're talking again? Oh, how fortunate am I, said the cat. In having a travel companion of such wisdom and intelligence, its tone remained sarcastic, but its fur was bristling, and its brush of its tail wagged up in the air. Coraline was going to going to say something like, "Sorry, it wasn't a lot shorter of a walk." Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. What does it say? 
hold on, I switched pages and I think I messed it up. Um, something like, sorry, or wasn't it a shorter walk last time? When the candle went out suddenly as fast as it had been snuffed by somebody's hand, there was a scrabbling and a padding, pattering and Coraline could feel her heart pounding against her ribs. She put it out with one hand and felt something wispy like a spider's web brush her hand in her face. At the end of the corridor, the electric light went on, blinding after the darkness. A woman stands silhouetted by the light, a little ahead of, a little ahead of Coraline. Coraline, darling, she called. Mom, said Coraline as she ran forward, eager, eager and relieved. Darling, said the woman, why did you ever run away from me? Coraline was too close to stop and the other mother's and she felt the other mother's cold arm enfold in her. She stood there, rigid and trembling as the other mother held her tightly. Where are my parents? Coraline asked. We're here, said her other mother in a voice so close to her real mom's voice that Coraline could scarcely tell them apart. We're here. We're ready to love you and play with you and feed you and make your life interesting. Coraline pulled back and the other mother let her go with reluctance. The other father, who'd been sitting in a chair in the hallway, stood up and smiled. Come on into the kitchen, he said. I'll make us a midnight snack and you'll want something to drink too. Hot chocolate, perhaps? Coraline walked down the hallway until she reached the mirror end. There was nothing reflected in it but a young girl in her dressing gown and slippers who looked like she had recently been crying, but whose eyes were real, not black buttons, and whose eye, who was holding on to a tight, holding tight to a burnt out candle when a candlestick. She looked, <coughs> she looked at the girl in the mirror and the mirror looked back at her. I will be brave, thought Coraline. No, I am brave. She put down her candlestick on the floor and then she turned around. The other mother and the other father were looking at her hungrily. I don't need a snack, she said. I have an apple. See? She took an apple from out of her dressing gown pocket and then bit into it with relish and enthusiasm that she did not really feel. The other father looked disappointed. The other uh, the other mother smiled, showing a full set of teeth, and each of the teeth was a tiny bit too long. The lights in the hallway made her black button eyes glitter and gleam. You don't frighten me, said Coraline, although they did frighten her very much. I want my parents back. But the world seemed to shimmer a little at the edges. Whatever have I done with your old parents? If they have left you, Coraline, it must be because they were bored with you or tired. Now, I will never become bored with you and I will never abandon you. You will always be safe here with me. The other mother's wet-looking black hair drifted around her neck and the t- like tentacles of a creature in the deep ocean. They weren't bored with me, said Coraline. You're lying. You stole them. Silly, silly Coraline. They are fine wherever they are. Coraline simply glared at the other mother. I'll prove it, said the other mother, and brushed her the surface of the mirror with her long, white fingernails. It clouded over again, as if a dragon had breathed on it, and then it cleared. The mirror, in the mirror, it was daytime already. Coraline was looking looking at the hallway all the way down to her front door the door opened from the outside and Coraline's mother and father walked inside they carried suitcases 
That was a fine holiday, Coraline's father said. How nice it is not to have Coraline anymore, her mother said with a happy smile. Now we can do all the things we've always wanted to do, like go abroad, but we've been prevented by by doing from having a daughter. Anne, said her father, I take great comfort in knowing that her other mother will take better care of her than we we ever could. The mirror fogged and faded and reflected the night once more. See, said the other mother. No, Coraline said. I don't see and I don't believe it either. She hoped that she would just had seen was not real, but she was not certain as she sounded. The tiny doubt inside of her like a maggot in an apple core. Then she saw up and down the expression on her mother's face. I don't, I think she just made it up. She wanted her to see that, so she stayed there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I know, exactly. A flash of real anger which crossed her face like summer lightning and Coraline was sure in her heart that what she had seen in the mirror was no more than an illusion. Coraline sat down on the sofa and ate her apple. Please, said her mother, don't be difficult, she said, and she walked into the drawing room and clapped her hands twice. There was a rustling noise and the black rat appeared. It stared up at her. Bring me the key, she said. The rat chittered and ran through the door and opened that door that ran to Coraline's own flat. The rat returned, dragging the key behind it. Why don't you have your own key? Why don't you have your own key on this side? asked Coraline. There's only one key, only one door, said the other father. Hush, said the other mother. You must not bother our darling Coraline's head with such trivialities. She put the key in the hole and twisted and then locked it stiff, but it was clunked closed. She dropped the key into her apron pocket. Outside, the sky had begun to lighten into a luminous gray. If we don't get going, if we if we are going to have a midnight snack, said the other mother, we still need our beauty sleep. I'm going back to bed, said Coraline. I would strongly suggest that you do the same. She placed her long white fingers on the shoulder of her father, her other father, and she walked with him out of the room. Coraline walked over to the door at the far end of the corner of the drawing room and she tugged on it, but it was tightly locked. The door of her other parents' bedroom was now closed. She was indeed tired, but she did not want to sleep in the bedroom. She did not want to sleep under the same roof as as her other mother. The front door was not locked. Coraline walked out into the dawn and down the stone stairs. She sat down on the bottom step. It was cold. Something furry pushed up against her on the side, and it was smooth, insinuating motion. Coraline jumped up and then breathed a sigh of relief when she saw what it was. Oh, it's you, she said to the black cat. See, said the cat. It wasn't so hard to recognize me, was it? Even without names. Well, if I w- what if I wanted to call you? The cat wrinkled its nose and managed to look unimpressed. Calling cats, it confided, tends to be a rather overrated activity. Might as well call a whirlwind. What if it was dinner time, said Coraline. Wouldn't you want to be called? Of course, said the cat. But a simple cry of dinner would do nicely. See, no need for names. Why does she want me, Coraline asked the cat. Why does she want me to stay here with her? She wants something to love, I think, said the cat. Something that isn't her. She might want something to eat as well. It's hard to tell with creatures like that. Do you have any advice, asked Coraline. The cat looked at her as if 
it were about to say something sarcastic, and then it flickered its whiskers and said, Challenge her. There's no guarantee that she'll play fair, but her kind of love thing loves games and challenges. What kind of thing is that? asked Coraline. But the cat made no answer, and he simply stretched stretched and walked away. Then it stopped and turned and said, I'd go inside if I were you. Get some sleep. You have a long day ahead of you. And then the cat was gone. Still, Coraline realized that it had a point. She crept back into the silent house, past the closed bedroom door, and inside where her mother, other mother and other father slept. What? she wondered. Slept? Waited? And then it came to her that, when she opened the bedroom door, that she would find it empty. Or, more precisely, that it was an empty room and it would remain empty until the exact moment that she opened that door. Somehow, that made it easier. Cornline walked into the green and pink parody of her own bedroom. She closed the door and hauled the toy box in front of it. It would not keep anyone out, but the noise somebody would make trying to dislodge the door would wake her up, she hoped. The toys in the toy box were still mostly asleep, and they stirred and muttered as she moved them in their if she moved the box. And then when she went back and then they went back to sleep. Coraline checked under the bed, looking for rats, but there was nothing there. She took off her dressing gown and slippers and climbed into bed and fell asleep with barely enough time to reflect as she did so on what the cat could have meant by a challenge. Spooky, huh? Mm -hmm. My gosh, this woman is creepy. All right, chapter five. Coraline was woken by the mid-morning sun full on her face. For a moment, she felt utterly dislocated. She didn't know where she was. She wasn't entirely sure who she was. It is just as astonishing to know of how much we can be tied to the beds and w- as we wake up in the morning as it is astonishing how fragile it can be. Sometimes Coraline would forget who she was while she was daydreaming, that she was exploring in the Arctic or the Amazon rainforest or dark Africa, and it was not until somebody tapped her on the shoulder or said her name that Coraline would come back from a million miles away with a start and all in a fraction of a second have to remember who she was and what her name was and what and that she was even there at all. Now there was sun in her face, and she was Coraline Jones. Yes. Then the green and pinkness of the room she was in and the rustling of the large painted paper butterflies as it fluttered and beat its way about the ceiling told her what she had woken up, told her that she had woken up. She climbed out of bed. She could not wear her pajamas, her dressing gown, and slippers during the day. She decided even if it, wasn't, if it meant wearing her, the other Coraline's clothes. Was there another Coraline? No, she realized there wasn't. There was just her. There were no regular clothes in the cupboard, though. They were just like her dress-up clothes, or so she thought, the kind of clothes that she would love to have hanging in her closet in her own wardrobe at home. There was a raggedy costume, a patched scarecrow costume, a future warrior costume with digital lights as it glittered and blinked, a slinky evening dress all covered in feathers and mirrors, Finally, in the drawer, she found a pair of black jeans that seemed to be made of velvet night and a gray sweater, a color of thick smoke with faint, tiny stars in the fabric, twi- fabric, fabric which twinkled. She pulled on the jeans and then the sweater. Then she put on a pair of bright orange boots that she found at the bottom of the cupboard. She took her last apple out of her pocket of her dressing gown and then took from the same pocket the stone which had a hole in it. 
She put the stone in her pocket of her jeans as if it was she had, as if her head had cleared a little, as if she had come out of a sort of a fog. She went into the kitchen, but it was deserted. Still, she was sure that someone was in that flat. She walked down the hall until she reached her father's, her other, her, okay, it says father's study, but I think she means other father. Her father studied and discovered that it was occupied. Where's the other mother? She asked the other father. He was still sitting in the study at a desk, which looked just like her father, but he was not doing anything at all, not even reading a gardening catalog as her own father would have done if he was pretending to be working. Out, he told her, fixing the doors. There are some vermin problems. He seemed pleased to have somebody to talk to. The rats, you mean? No, the rats are friends, but the other kind, a big black fellow with his tail high. The cat, you mean? That's the one, said the other father. He looked less like her true father had today. There was something slightly vague about his face, like bread dough that had begun to rise, smoothing out the bumps and cracks and depressions. Really? I mustn't talk to you when she's not here, he said. But don't you worry. She won't be gone often. I shall demonstrate our tender hospitality for you, such that you will not even think about ever going back. He closed, he closed his mouth and folded his hands on his lap. So what am I to do now? asked Coraline. The other father pointed to his lips. Silence. If you won't even talk to me, said Coraline, I'm going exploring. No point, said the father. There isn't anywhere but here. This is all she's made. The house, the grounds, and the people in the house. She's made it and she's waited. Then he looked embarrassed and put his other finger on his lips again, just as he had said too much. Coraline walked out of the study and she went back into the drawing room over to the old door that she pulled and she pulled it rattled it and shook it no it was locked fast and the other mother had taken the key she looked around the room it was so familiar that it was made that her made her feel truly strange everything was exactly the same as she had remembered there was all of her grandmother's strange smelling furniture there was the painting of the bowl of the fruit a bunch of grapes, two plums, a peach, and an apple hanging on the wall, but there was a low wooden table on the lion's feet and the empty fireplace which seemed to suck the heat out of the room. But there was something else, something she did not remember seeing before, a ball of glass up on the mantel. She went over to the fireplace and went on her tippy toes and lifted it down. It was a snow globe with two people in it. Coraline shook it and set the snow flying, white snow that glittered as it tumbled through the water. Then she put the snow globe back, back on the mantelpiece and carried it, looking for her true parents for a way out. She went out of the flat, past the flashing lights, lights door, behind where the other Miss Spink and Forcible performed their show forever, and she set off into the woods. Where Coraline came from, once you were through the patch of trees, you saw nothing but meadows and old tennis courts. In this place, the woods went on further, the, true, the trees becoming cruder and less tree-like the further you went on. Pretty soon, it seemed very approximate, like the idea of a tree, a grayish-brown trunk below, greenish splodge of something that might have been a leaves above. Coraline wondered if, there, if the other mother wasn't interested in a tree or if she just hadn't bothered with, the, with this properly because nobody was, expect, nobody was expected to come this far out. She kept walking, and then the and then the mist began. It was not damp like normal fog or mist. It was cold. It was not cold, and it was not warm. It felt to Coraline like she was walking into nothing. 
I'm an explorer, thought Coraline to herself, and I need all the ways out of here before I can get, that I can get, so I shall keep walking. The world she was walking through was a pale nothingness, like a blank sheet of paper or an enormous empty white room. It had no temperature, no smell, no texture, and no taste. It certainly isn't mist, thought Coraline, although she didn't know what it was. For a moment, she wondered as if she might not have gone into the blind, not have gone blind. No, she could see herself plain as day, but there was no ground beneath her feet, just misty, milky whiteness. And what do you think you're doing? The shape, a shape appeared on side of her. It took a few moments for her eyes to focus on the pro- focus properly. She thought it might be some kind of lion at first, and some distance away from her. And then she thought it might be a mouse close behind her. And then she knew who it was. I'm exploring, Coraline told the cat. Its fur stood straight out from its body and its eyes were wide. Its tail was down between its legs. It did not look like a happy cat. Bad place, said the cat. If you want to call it a place, which I don't. What are you doing here? I'm exploring. Nothing to find here, said the cat. It's just the outside, the part of the place that she hasn't bothered to create. She? The one who says she's your other mother, said the cat. What is she? asked Coraline. The cat did not answer, just padded through the pale mist beside Coraline. A shape began to appear in the front of them, something that looked high and towered in the dark. You were wrong, she told the cat. There is something there. And then it took shape of the mist. And then it took shape in the mist, a dark house which loomed over them in the formless whiteness. But that's, said Coraline. The house you just left, the cat agreed. Precisely. Maybe I I just got turned around in the mist, said Coraline. The cat curled up his high tip of its tail into a question mark and dipped its head to the side. You might have done it, said it said. I certainly would have not. Wrong indeed. But how can you just walk away from something and still come back to it? Easy, said the cat. Think of something somebody that walks think of somebody walking around the world. You start out walking one away from something and end up coming back to it small world said Coraline that's big enough for her said the cat spiders webs only have to be large enough to catch flies Coraline shivered he's he said that she's fixing all the gates and the doors she said to the cat to keep you out well she might try said the cat oh yes she she may try they were standing under a clump of trees now beside the house the trees looked much more like much more likely there's ways in and out of this place that even she doesn't know about did she make this place then asked Coraline. made it found it what's the difference asked the cat either way she's had it a very long time hang on and it gave a shiver and leapt before Coraline could blink and the cat was sitting with its paw holding down a big black rat it's not like the rat it's oh he got a rat it's not like i don't like rats in the best of times said the cat conversationally as if nothing had happened but the rats in this place are all spies for her. She uses them as her eyes and her hands. And with the cat, and with the cat, let the rat go. And several feet from, it ran several feet, and then the cat with one bound was upon it, batting it hard with one sharp claw and paw. And with the other paw, held it down. I love this bit, said the cat. Want to see me do it again? No, said Coraline. Why did you do that? You're torturing it. Mm, said the cat. It let the rat go. The rat stumbled, dazed for a few steps, and then it began to run. With the blow of its paw, the cat knocked it and knocked it, the rat into the air, and caught it in its mouth. Stop it, said Coraline. 
The cat dropped the rat between its two front paws. There are those, it said, with its tail as high, with a sigh and its tone as smooth as oiled silk, who have suggested that the tendency of a cat to play with its prey is a merciful one. After all, it permits the occasional fun and a little running snack to escape from time to time. How often does your dinner get to escape? And then it picked up the rat in its mouth and carried it off into the woods behind a tree. Coraline walked back to the house. It was quiet and empty and deserted. Even her for- her footsteps on the carpet seemed to be loud. Dust motes hung in the beam of sunlight. As far at the at the far end of the wall was a mirror. She could see herself walking towards the mirror, looking, reflected, a little braver than she actually felt. There was nothing else there in the mirror, just her in the corridor. And a hand touched her shoulder, and she looked up. The other mother stared down at Coraline with a big black button eyes. Coraline, my darling, she said, I thought we could play some games together this morning now that you're back from your walk. Hopscotch? Happy families? Monopoly? You weren't in the mirror, said Coraline. The other mother smiled. Mirrors, she said, are never to be trusted. Now, what game shall we play? Coraline shook her head. I don't want to play a game with you, she said. I want to go home and be with my real parents. I want you to let them go, to let us all go. The other mother shook her head very slowly. Sharper than a serpent's tooth, she said, is a daughter's ingratitude. Still, the proudest spirit can be broken with love, and her long white fingers waggled and caressed the air. I have no plans to love you, said Coraline, no matter what. You can't make me love you. Let's talk about it, said the other mother, and she turned and walked into the lounge. Coraline followed her. The other mother sat down on the big sofa. She picked up a shopping bag from beside the sofa and took it out, took out a white rustling paper bag from inside of it. She extended a white hand with it to Coraline. Would you like this one? She asked politely, expecting it to be a toffee or a butterscotch ball. Coraline looked down. The bag was half filled with large, shiny back beetle, black beetles crawling all over each other in their efforts to get out of the bag. No, Coraline said, I don't want one. Suit yourself, said her mother. She carefully picked one out, a particularly large black beetle, pulled its legs off, which she dropped neatly into a big glass ashtray on the small table beside the sofa and popped the beetle into her mouth. She crunched it happily. Yum, she said and took another. You're sick, said Coraline, sick and evil and weird. Is that any way to talk to your mother? The other mother said with her mouth mouth full of black beetles. You aren't my mother, Coraline said. Her mother ignored this. Now, I think you're a little overexcited, Coraline. Perhaps this afternoon we could do a little embroidery together or some watercolor painting, then dinner. And then, if you've been a good, you can play with the rats before bed. I shall read you a story and tuck you in and kiss you good night. Her long white fingers fluttered gently like a tired butterfly, and Coraline shivered. No, said Coraline. The other mother sat on the sofa. Her mouth was set in a line. Her lips were pursed. She popped another black beetle into her mouth and then another. You know what this is kind of reminding me of? What? From Tangled? No. Oh. Uh, when- and then she says, Oh. I see how mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that where she goes, Mother knows best? Is that when that song goes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, like another. Like someone with a bag of chocolate-covered raisins. Her big black button eyes stared into Coraline's hazel eyes. Her shiny black hair twined and twisted about her neck and shoulders as if it were blowing in some wind that Coraline couldn't touch or feel. They stared at each other for a minute. Then the other mother said, Manners! And she folded the white paper bag so carefully so no black beetles could escape. Then she placed it back into the shopping bag. She stood up and up and up. She seemed taller than Coraline remembered. She reached into her apron pocket and pulled out first the black door key, which she frowned and tossed into the shopping bag, then a tiny silver-colored key. She held it up triumphantly. There we are, she said. This is for you, Coraline, for your own good, because I love you, to teach you manners, manners, manners maketh man after all. She pulled Coraline back into the hallway and danced up on the mirror at the end of the hall. Then she pushed the tiny, tiny key into the fabric of the mirror and she twisted it. It opened like a door, revealing a dark space behind it. You may come out when you've learned some manners, said the other mother, and when you're ready to be a loving daughter. She picked up Coraline and pushed her into the dim space between the mirror. A fragment of a beetle was sticking, ooh, God gross, was sticking to her lower lip and there was no expression on her black button eyes. Then she swung the mirror closed and left Coraline in the darkness. Bummer, dude. This looks the worst punishment. It's so creepy. Just for talking back. Yeah, dude. Creepy, right? Oh, yeah. All right, ready? Chapter six. Somewhere inside her, Coraline could feel a huge sob welling up. And then she stopped it before it came out. She took a deep breath and let it go. She pulled her hands to... She put out her hands to touch the space in which was impr- that which she was imprisoned. It was the size of a broom closet, tall enough to stand or to sit in, not wide enough or deep enough to lie down. On one wall was glass, and it felt cold to the touch. She went around the tiny room a second time, running her hands over the surface that she could feel, feeling the doorknob that the switches or concealed as cla- or concealed clutches, oh, concealed catches, some kind of way out, but found nothing. A spider scuttled over the back of her hand, and she choked back a shriek. But apart from the spider, she was alone in the closet in the pitch black dark. And then her other hand touched something that felt for all felt for all the world like somebody's cheek and lip and small and cold. Then a voice whispered in her ear, "Hush, and shush. She say nothing, for the beldam might be listening." Coraline said nothing. She felt a cold hand touch her face, fingers running over the, over like the gentle beat of a moth's wing. Another voice, hesitant and faint, so Coraline could, could wondered if she was imagining it. Art thou, art thou alive? Yes, whispered Coraline. Poor child, said the first voice. Who are you, whispered Coraline. Names, 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 said another voice from far away in the lost. The names are the first thing that will go. After the breath has gone and the beating of the heart, we keep our memories longer than our names. I keep pictures of my mind and my governess or on some May morning, carrying my hoop and stick and the morning sun behind her and all the tulips bobbing in the breeze. But I have forgotten the name of my governess and the tulips too. 
I don't think the tulips have names, Coraline said. They're just tulips. Perhaps, said the voice sadly, but I have always thought that the tulips, tulips must have names. Tulips they were red. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Red, yellow, orange, and red. Red and yellow and orange. Like the embers of a nursery fire of the winter's evening. I remember them. The voice sounded so sad that Coraline put a hand out in the place where the voice was coming from. And she found a cold hand and squeezed it tightly. Her eyes were beginning to get used to the darkness. Now Coraline saw, or she imagined that she saw, three shapes. Each as faint and pale as the moon of the daytime sky. They were shapes of children about her own size. The cold hand squeezed her hand back. Thank you, said the voice. Are you a girl, Coraline asked, or a boy? There was a pause. When I was small, I wore skirts and my hair was long and curled. It said doubtfully, but now that you ask, it does seem to me that one day they took my skirts and gave me breeches and cut my hair. Taint something we give a mind to, said the first voice. A boy, perhaps, then? continued the one whose hands she was holding i believe i was once a boy and it glowed a little more brightly in the darkness of the room behind the mirror what happened to you all Coraline said how did you come here she left us here said the voices she stole our hearts and stole our souls and she took our lives away and she left us here and she forgot about us in the dark you poor things said Coraline. how long have you been here so very long said a voice i time time beyond reckoning said another voice I walked through the through the scullery door, said the voice of one that she thought might be the boy, and I found myself in the back of the parlor, but she was waiting for me. She told me that she was my other mamma, and that I never that I it, but I never saw my true mamma again. Flee, said the very first vo- of the voices, another girl Coraline fancied. Flee while there's still air in your lungs and blood in your veins and warmth in your heart. Flee while you still have your mind and your soul. I'm not running away, said Coraline. She has my parents and I came to get them back. Ah, but she'll keep them here while the days turn to dust and the leaves fall from the years past one after the next like a tick, tick, ticking of a clock. No, said Coraline, she won't. There was silence in the room behind her. Peradventure, said a voice in the darkness, if you could win your mama and your papa back from the bell dam, you could also win your win free of our souls. Has she taken them? said Coraline. Aye, and hidden them. That's why we couldn't leave here when we died. She kept us and fed on us, and now we have nothing left of ourselves, only the snake skins of our s- and spider husks. We find our secret hearts, young mistress. And what will happen to you if I and what will happen to you if I do? The voices said nothing. And what's going to what is she gonna do with me? said Coraline. The pale fingers pulsed faintly, and she could only imagine that they were not more than after images, like the glow left of a bright by a bright light in your eyes after the sunlight after the light goes out. I doth not hurt the whisper whispered a faint voice. She will take your life and all you and all you are and your cares for, and she will leave you with nothing but mist and fog. She'll take your joy, and one day she'll she'll. And one day you'll wake and your heart and your soul will have gone. A husk you'll be, a wisp you'll be, and nothing more than a dream on waking or a memory of something forgotten. Hollow, the third voice whispered. Hollow, 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 hollow. You must flee, sighed a voice faintly. 
I don't think so, said Coraline. I tried running away and it didn't work. She just took my parents. Can't you tell me how to get out of this room? If we knew, then we would tell you. Poor things, said Coraline to herself. She sat down and took off her sweater and rolled it up and put it behind her head as a pillow. She won't keep me in the dark forever, said Coraline. She brought me here to play games. Games and challenges, the cat said. And I'm not much of a challenge in here. She tried to get comfortable twisting and bending herself to fit in the cramped space behind the mirror. Her stomach rumbled. She ate her last apple, taking the tiniest bites, making it, a long, making it last as long as she could. When she had finished, she was still hungry. Then an idea struck her, and she whispered, When she comes to let, to let me out, why don't you three come with me? We wish that we could, they sighed. But she has our hearts in her keeping. Now we belong in the dark to this empty place. The light will shrivel us and burn. Oh, said Coraline. She closed her eyes, which made the darkness darker, and she rested her head on the roll-up sweater and went to sleep. And she fell asleep as though she felt a ghost kiss her cheek tenderly, and a small voice whispered into her ear, a voice so faint it was barely there at all, a gentle whisper of nothing but hushed that Coraline could almost believe she was imagining it. Look through the stone, she, they said to her, and then she slept. This book is creepy, 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 creepy. Okay. Chapter seven. Let me just see. Am I doing one more chapter? I think I'm doing one more chapter. Am I? When is this over? Come on. Yeah, I'll do one more chapter. Okay. Chapter seven. The other mother looked healthier than before. There was a little blush in her cheeks and her hair was wiggling like crazy snakes on a warm day. Her black button eyes seemed as if they had been freshly polished. She had pushed through the mirrors as if she were walking through nothing more than solid water and nothing more solid than water and had stared down at Coraline. Then she opened the door with her silver key. She picked up Coraline just as Coraline's real mother had when Coraline was much younger, cradling her, the half-sleeping child, as if she were a baby. The other mother carried Coraline to the kitchen and put her down very gently on the countertop. Coraline struggled to wake herself up consciously only for the moment of having been cuddled and loved and wanting it more, then realizing where she was and who she was with. There, my sweet Coraline, said her other mother. I came and fetched you out of the cupboard. You need to be taught a lesson, but we temper our justice with mercy here. We love the sinner and we hate the sin. Now, if you will be a good child who loves her mother, be compliant and spare-spoken, you and I shall understand each other perfectly, and we shall love each other perfectly as well. Coraline scratched and slept grit from her eyes. There were other children in there, said, she said, old ones from a long time ago. Were there, said the other mother. She was, she was bustling between the pans in the fridge, bringing out the eggs and cheese and butter and slabs of pink bacon. Yes, Coraline said. There were. I think that you're planning to turn me into one of them, a dead shell. Her other mother smiled gently with one hand on the cracking, egg, cracking eggs with the bowl. The other, she whisked them and whirled them. Then she dropped a part of butter into the frying pan where she hissed, where it hissed and frizzled and spun into sliced thin cheese. She poured and melted the butter and the cheese and the eggs in the mixture and whisked it more. Now, I think you're being silly, dear, said the other mother. I love you. I will always love you. Nobody sensible believes in ghosts anyways. That's because they're such liars. 
smell the lovely breakfast I'm making you. She poured the yellow yellow mixture into the pan. Cheese omelet, your favorite. Coraline's mouth watered. You like games, she said. That's what I've been told. The other mother's black eyes flashed. Everybody likes games, she said. Yes, said Coraline. She climbed down from the counter and sat at the table. The bacon was sizzling and sputtering at the grill. It smelled wonderful. Wouldn't you be happier if you won me, fair and square, asked Coraline. Possibly, said the other mother. She had a show of unconcernedness, but her fingers twitched and drummed. She licked her lips with her scarlet tongue. What exactly are you offering? Me, said Coraline, and she gripped her knees under the table to stop them from shaking. If I lose, I'll stay here with you forever and let you love me. I'll be the most I'll be the most dutiful daughter. I'll eat your food and play happy families, and I'll let you sew buttons into my eyes. Her other mother stared at her, black buttons unblinking. That sounds very fine, she said. And if you do not lose, then you let me go. You let everyone go. My real father and mother, the dead children, everyone you've trapped here. The other mother took the bacon from under the grill and she put it in place. Then she slipped the cheese into the omelet of the pan and flipping it as she did so, letting it fold itself into the perfectly shaped omelet. She placed the breakfast and breakfast plate in front of Coraline along with a glass of freshly squeezed orange juice and a mug of frothy hot chocolate. Yes, she said. I think I like this game. What kind of game shall it be? A riddle game? A test of knowing or knowledge or skill? An exploring game, suggested Coraline. A finding things game. And what is it that you think that you should be finding in this hide-and-go-seek game, Coraline Jones? Coraline hesitated then. My parents, said Coraline and the souls of the children behind the mirror. The other mothers smiled at this triumphantly, and Coraline wondered if she had made the right choice. Still, it was too late to change her mind. Deal, said the mother. The other mother, now eat up your breakfast, my sweet. Don't worry, it won't hurt you. Coraline stared at the breakfast, hating herself for giving in so easily, but she was starving. How do I know that you'll keep your word, said Coraline. I swear it, said the other mother. I swear it on my own mother's grave. Did she have a grave? asked Coraline. Oh, yes, said the other mother. I put her in there myself, and when I found her trying to crawl out, I put her back in. Swear on something else so I can trust that you keep your word. My right hand, said the other mother, holding it up as she waggled it so the fingers slowly displaying like claw-like nails. I swear on that. Coraline shrugged. Okay, she said. It's a deal. She ate the breakfast, trying not to wolf it down. She was hungrier than she had thought. As she ate, her her other mother stared at her. It was hard to read the expression on those in those black eyes, but Coraline thought that the other mother looked so hungry too. She drank that orange juice, but even though she knew that she would like it, it she could not bring herself to taste the hot chocolate. Where should I start looking? asked Coraline. Where you wish, she said. Her other mother said, as if she did not care at all. Coraline looked at her, and Coraline thought hard. There was no point, she decided, in exploring the gardens and the grounds. They didn't exist. They weren't even real. There were no abandoned tennis courts in this other mother's world, no bottomless well. And that was real. And that was real. Oh, and all that was real was the house itself. She looked around the kitchen, and she looked open the oven and peered into the freezer, poked into the salad compartment of the fridge. The other mother followed her about, looking at Coraline with a smirk, always hovering over the edges of her lips. How big are souls anyways, Coraline? asked Coraline. 
The other mother sat down on the kitchen table and leaned back against the wall, saying nothing. She picked at her teeth with a long crimson varnished fingernail and then tapped her fingers gently, tap, tap, tap against the polished black surface of her black button eyes. Fine, said Coraline, don't tell me. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you help me or not. Everyone knows that a soul is the same size as a beach ball. I, she was hoping that the other mother would say something like, Nonsense. They're the size of a ripe onion or suitcases or an old grandfather clock. But the other mother just simply smiled and tap, tap, tapping her fingernails against, the, against her eye was steady and relentless at the drip of the water droplets from a faucet on the sink. Then Coraline realized it was, was simply the noise of water when she was, and she was alone in the room. Coraline shivered. She preferred that the other mother have a location. If she were nowhere, then she could be anywhere. And after all, it was easier to be afraid of something you cannot see. She put her hands in her pockets and her fingers closed around the reassuring shapes of the stone in the hole. She pulled it out of her pocket and held it in front of her as if she were holding a gun. She walked into the hall. It was, there was no sound but the tap tap of the water dripping in the metal sink. She glanced over at the mirror at the end of the hallway. For a moment, it clouded over, and it seemed to her that the faces of the sw- that faces swam in the glass, in- indistinct and shapeless. And then the faces were gone, and there was nothing in the mirror but a girl who was small for her age, holding something that glowed gently like green coal. Coraline looked down at her hand, surprised. It was just a stone with a hole, a nondescript brown pebble. Then she looked into the mirror where so- where the stone glimmered like an emerald. A trail of green fire blew from the pebble in the mirror and drifted towards Coraline's bedroom. Hmm, said Coraline as she walked into the bedroom. The toys fluttered excitedly as she walked in, as if they were pleased to see her. And a little tank rolled out of the toy box to greet her. Its treading rolled over several toys, and it fell from the toy box onto the floor. Tipping as it fell, it lay on the carpet like a beetle on its back, grumbling and grinding its treads before Coraline picked it up and turned it over. The tank fled under the bed in embarrassment. Coraline looked around the room. She looked in the cupboards and the drawers, and then she picked up one of the ends of the toy box and tipped over the toys and pulled out the carpet where they grumbled and stretched and wiggled awkwardly free of each other. A gray marble rolled across the floor and clicked against the wall. None of the toys looked particularly soul-like, she thought. When she picked up and examined a silver charm bracelet from which hung over a tiny animal charm that chased each other around the perimeter of the bracelet. A fox never catching the rabbit, the bear never gave gaining on the fox. Coraline opened her hand, looking at the stone with a hole in it, hoping for a clue, but finding nothing. What, uh, most of the toys had been in the box had not had now crawled away to hide under the bed, and a few toys that were left, a green plastic soldier, a glass marble, a vivid pink yo-yo and such, were the kind of things that you'd find at the bottom of toy boxes in a real world. Forgotten objects, abandoned, unloved. She wasn't about to leave to leave and look elsewhere. And then she remembered a voice in the darkness, a gentle whispering voice that what had told her to do. She raised the stone to the hole and held it in front of her right eye. She closed her left one and looked in the room through the hole of the stone. Through the stone, the world was gray and colorless, like a pencil drawing. Everything in it was gray. No, not quite everything. Something glinted in the floor, something of the color of an ember of the nursery fireplace, the color of a scarlet and orange tulip nodding in the May sun. Coraline reached out and left her 
her left hand, scared that she might, that if she took her eye off of it, it would vanish. She fumbled through the burning, for the burning thing. Her fingers closed about something smooth and cold and snatched it up. She snatched it up and then lowered the stone with the hole from her eyes and looked down. The gray glass marble from the bottom of the toy box sat dully in the pink palm of her hand. She raised the stone up to her eye once more and looked through the glass. Once again, the marble burned, flickered with red fire. A voice whispered in her mind, Indeed, lady, it comes that this it comes to me that I was certainly a boy. Now I do think on it. Oh, you must hurry. There are two of us still to find, and the the bell dam is already angry that with you for uncovering me. If I'm going to do this, Coraline thought, I'm not going to do it in, cl- in her clothes. She cha- quickly changed back into her pajamas and her dressing gown and her slippers, leaving the gray sweater and the black jeans neatly folded on the bed, the orange boots on the floor by the toy box. She put the marble into her dressing gown pocket and walked into the hall. Something stung her face like and hands like sand blowing on the beach on a windy day. She covered her eyes and pushed forward. The, stan- the sand stings got worse, and it got harder and harder to walk as if they were pushing into the wind of the, of the particularly blustery day. It was victorious. Uh, it was a vicious wind and a cold one. She took a step backwards the way it ha- that she had come. Oh, keep going, whispered a ghost in her ear, if the, for the bell dam is angry. She stepped forward with the hall, in the hallway into another gust of wind, which stung her cheeks and face with the invisible sand as sharp as needles and glass. Play fair, shouted Coraline into the wind. There was no reply, but the wind whipped around her one more time. Petutently, wait, pit, okay, what's that word? Petulantly? I need to go back to school. Petulantly? Let's just skip it. One more time and then dropped away and it was gone. As she passed the kitchen, Coraline would hear the sudden silence and the drip, drip of the water from the leaking faucet, or perhaps it was her mother's long fingernails again, impatiently waiting on tapping against the table. Coraline resisted the urge to look. In a couple of strides, she reached the front door and she walked outside. Coraline went down the steps and around the house until she reached the other Miss Spink and Miss Forcible's flat. The lamps around the door flickered on and off, almost randomly now spelling out no words that Coraline could understand. The door was locked, and she was afraid it was locked. Oh, the door was closed. She was afraid it was locked, and she pushed it with all of her strength. First it stuck, and then suddenly it gave with a jerk. Coraline stumbled into the dark beyond the room. Coraline closed one hand around the stone in the hole, and she walked forward into the blackness. She expected to find a curtain and her room, but there was nothing there. The room was dark. The theater was empty. She moved ahead cautiously. Something rustled above her. She looked up deeper into the darkness, and as she did, so to her feet, knocking against something else. She reached down, picking up a flashlight, and then clicked it on, sweeping the beam around the room. The theater was was derelict and abandoned. Chairs were broken on the floor, and old dusty spiderwebs draped the walls and hung from the rotten wood and the decomposing velvet hang- hangings. Something rustled once again. Coraline directed her light beam upwards towards the ceiling. There were things up there, hairless jellyfish. She thought they months, once had faces, might even, might even once have been dogs, but no dogs had wings like bats or could hang like spiders like bats upside down. 
The lights startled in the creatures, and then one of them took the air as its wings whirling heavily about the, uh, through the dust. Coraline ducked as it swooped closer to her. It came to the rest on the wall as far on a far wall and began to clamber upside and down and back to the nest of the dog bats up on the ceiling. Coraline raised a stone to her eyes and she scanned the room through it, looking for something that glowed or glinted, a telltale sign that somewhere in the room was another hidden soul. She ran the beam of flashlight about the room that she searched the thick dust in the air, making the light beam seem almost solid. There was something up on the black wall behind the ruined stage. It was gray and white and twice the size of Coraline herself. It was stuck on on the back of the slug. Oh, it was stuck on the back like a slug. Coraline took a deep breath. I'm not afraid, she told herself. I'm not. She didn't believe herself, but she scrambled on the old stage, fingers sinking into the rotting wood as she pulled herself up. As she got closer to the thing on the wall, she saw that it was some kind of sack, like a spider egg sack. It twitched in the light of the in the light beam inside the sack was something that looked like a person but a person with two heads twice as many arms and legs that it should have the creature in the sack seemed horribly un um unformed and unfinished as if two plast plastine people had been warmed and rolled together squashed and pressed into one thing Coraline hesitated. She did not want to approach this thing. The dog bats dropped one by one from the ceiling and began to circle the room, coming close to her but never touching her. Perhaps there are no children's souls in here, she thought. Perhaps I can just leave and go somewhere else. She took a last look through the holes in the stone. The abandoned theater was all bleak gray, but now there was a brown glow as if the rich, bright, and polished cherry wood had been coming from the sack. Whatever was glowing was being held in one of the hands of the wall of the thing on the wall. Coraline walked slowly across the damp stage, trying to make a l- as little noise as she could, afraid that if she disturbed the thing in the sack, that it would open its its eyes and see her. And then, but there was nothing that she could see, think of as scary as not uh, as having it look at her. Her heart pounded in her chest. She took another step forward. She had never been so scared, but she walked forward until she reached the sack. Then she pushed her hand into the sticky, clinging whiteness of the stuff on the wall. It cracked softly like a tiny fire. She pushed, and it clung to her skin and closed like a spider web clings, like white cotton candy. She pushed her hand into it, and then she reached upwards until she touched a cold hand, which was, she could feel, closed around another glass marble. The creature's skin felt almost slippery, as if it had been covered in jelly. Coraline tugged at the marble. At first, nothing happened. It was held tight in the creature's grasp. But then, one by one, the fingers loosened their grip and the marble slipped into her hand. She pulled her arm back through the sticky webbing, relieved that the thing's eyes had not opened. Then she shone the light on its faces. They resembled, she decided, the younger versions of Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, but twisted and squeezed together like two lumps of wax that had been melted and melted melted and melted together into one ghastly thing. Without warning, one of the creature's hands made a grab for Coraline's arm. Its fingernails scraped into her skin, but it was too slippery to grip, and Coraline pulled away successfully. And then the eyes opened, four black buttons glinting and staring down at her, and two voices that sounded like no voice that Coraline had ever heard began to speak to her. One of them wailed and whispered, like, and the other buzzed like a fat, angry blue bottle at a window pane and the voices said 
as the one person, Thief! Give it back! Stop! Thief! The air became alive with dog bats. Coraline backed away as she realized that the terror then terrifying though the thing on the wall had come had once come wait had once been the other miss spink and miss forcible was attached to the wall by its web encased in its cocoon it could not follow her the dog bats flapped and fluttered about her but they did nothing to hurt Coraline. she climbed down from the stage shone the flashlight above the theater looking for the way out flee miss wag wailed a girl's voice flee now you have two of us flee this place Flee this place while your blood still flows. Coraline dropped the marble into her pocket besides the other. She spotted the door and ran to it and pulled into it until it opened. So creepy. Peyton. Yep, she's asleep. Well, okay. There's part two.